Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here, as always, joined by Mercer. And today we're going to talk about time tracking for your team. The necessary evil or the evil, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and talk about it. So we're going to talk all about time tracking, which is something that is the bane of many entrepreneurs' existence and many team members' existence as well. But there's a method to the madness, and that's what we're going to unpack here. So let's talk about it. So time tracking, Mercer, what happens, what do you think about when I say time tracking for your team? A good question. I think when it when it comes to time and so a couple of things. One is you've got that that sort of like measuring of time where they're spending their time, what activities are they doing, and maybe using Google Calendar to sort of note that down as a journal. But I think really what most people are probably thinking would be using those tools like Time Doctor or Harvest or any of the things that a lot of these these uh, project managers have little timers now that can show you know how much time you're spending on on tasks, you know, and all of that fun stuff. And I think that's generally speaking, it's probably what most people would think. Um, and I'm curious, like, do you, do you actually use that sort of system? Are you using something like time doctor that takes screenshots of everybody's thing and every five minutes sort of reports back to the mothership or, or do you just sort of focus on other ways to do that? Do you even do that at all? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a, I do not do it right now. As of the time we record this, I do not, I do not have that level of, uh, I guess you could say accountability or tracking of the team. I don't, I don't make sure that they're working. I have a pretty small team and I trust. Have you, have you always done that out of curiosity or was it always like maybe you did in the beginning and then stopped doing it or. I've never done that in this organization. Um, there's, there's definitely a lot of pros in the pros list to doing that, but I've never done it in this organization. And I, I mean, I, I ultimately want to create an organization that's built on trust and it's built on, on trusting that people are going to get their work done. And I, I, right now my, my KPI is, are they going to, are they doing what they said they're going to do? And is it done on time? Those things have gotten me pretty far, but I do think that as a company expands those, those things, you lose a more of a pulse on it. And so right now I'm doing the old fashioned way. Like, are you doing what I said you can do? And is this an environment where people are as productive as they, as I expect they can be? Now there's some things around productivity that that happens when you do that is like are they as productive as me or are they productive as a as their role should be? Those are some things that that need to be unpacked. But that's generally how I look at it right now. So I do not do any time tracking for my team. Actually, that's not even entirely true. Um, I do have my team do time tracking like some contractors every month, and I look at their tasks. But um, and I guess I have done it in the past. Now that I'm I'm backtracking what I said. See, but this is what true confessions yeah, here. Yeah, it's it's sort of, but it's not something that I've used like where I look at that and I make major decisions as to what's going on. Now I think that is a flaw, and I'd love to hear what you do with this area because I'm already I'm seeing the negative effects of not having that much of a pulse in saying like why did you spend that that much time doing that thing? I thought that was going to be an easy thing. If that's eighty percent of your time. Then we shouldn't be doing that. So that's that's actually a main the, the you know the, the strategy behind time tracking is you don't want somebody to be spending their 80-20 on something that should be their 20-80, right? You don't want to do that. So so how about you? Do you do time tracking now? Have you always done it? 
Uh, good question. So we ha we have in the past, when I first started, um, it was tools like Time Doctor and Harvest and working with contractors. And that was just sort of how people said to do it because you need to pay people you know, hourly and how else are you going to manage what their time was? And so we would do things like that. Uh, and I think they were useful up, in, up until a point. Um, I, I had two challenges with it. One was, you know, and so I, I guess sort of fast forwarding, the short answer is we haven't done it for years and years, uh, but we did starting out. The reason we stopped or that, or that I sort of took it out was twofold. One was I think there was a little of that trust issue. And it's like, hey, at a certain point, do we, do we really need to babysit? And do I really need a system that babysits to that level of detail? And if I do, uh, and I think this sort of reinforces your point a little bit, if I do need that system, maybe it's the wrong people, right? Um, but what happens is as the team grows, you know, you don't, you can't just have a players on your team, you know, at a certain point, you're going to have other people who are going to come in for support. Maybe they're not the highest caliber and maybe they do need a little bit of babysitting. So I could see why others might do that. Currently we try not to, um, because again, we're sort of focused on not telling them how to do the job, but them telling us how they're going to get the job done. And some of those aspects are time related. So it's not like we ignore it. We just don't use these little, you know, pesky little managers to to constantly because it felt tyrannical right where it yeah. was like you know oh you've got to you know you're on this task you got to click this button to make sure your time is being measured because otherwise you're not getting credit for it i'm like oh my god like this is like this system's going a little amok here yeah um so so we we but we do like we're aware of time and we try to audit. So I will do that where I'll go to the, to certain team members, be like, okay, where are you spending your time right now? Let's, let's go ahead and record this down. Um, and we don't do this every week, but this would be like every once in a while, I'll sort of spot check it. Like, is that where we thought we were spending our time? Yeah. Cause that yeah. happens a lot where you have this gut of like, oh my gosh, all I do is send emails all day long and I'm constantly writing emails. And then you actually measure your time and it turns out it's like five minutes of that. Yeah, and the rest yeah. of the time is in other places, you know? So I think it's, it's important to audit it. Um, but we don't measure it with those little trackers anymore. Yeah, that that's a good. I mean, a good point. And, and actually, there's a distinction that you that you came up with there that is exactly how I did it in our evolution. So the reason why I say we don't do it now is because I've I have W two employees, and I do not ask the W two employees to track their time because for for various reasons. But it's really around like you're doing your job description. And as long as you do the things that I told you to do, and as long as we find that there's performance there, that's really what I care about is the broad strokes and that you're you're doing what I hired you to do. And that we're adjusting if you're doing more things or less things around what we hired you to do. However, with contractors, there is the draconian way of doing it where you're tracking every button and you're doing it. That's sort of like an analog old school worldview of doing things like clocking in and clocking out. I think that it, I think it's fine to do that with contractors. Um, it, it's not really a respectful thing. You're not really respecting them in that they're going to get their work done. But a lot, some functions, they have to earn that respect to not be micromanaged, right? To not be managed by what they're doing. And they need to do that thing. Or if it's a commoditized function, then it's okay to have them, then it's okay to have them, them check in or to put in their time. Um, the other reason to do it with with a contractor, whether you use an automated app or if you use, well, it's hard if they if they use an automated app, but they're working on other companies, then it's like, okay, well, do you have control of their screen the whole time? So it's a really challenging thing to do the automatic automatic collection of what their work they're doing and turn on the timer and stuff like that. But you do need a paper trail with contractors because if you don't have some kind of paper trail 
that a contractor is doing contract type work, variable work, not the work of employees. Well, at least in the United States, they can tax you for it. You, if you don't have some kind of record as to the fact that they were working on different projects and they were doing true contact contract work as opposed to employee work, you can be on the hook for doing employment taxes and doing all these different other things that you have to pay employees. So what, that's one thing that that we're very careful with is any contractor you have, you need to, a paper trail to make sure they're doing contract type work. So you definitely want time tracking for your contractors. If you're not doing it now, there is potentially that you could get audited and have to pay taxes on it. Google got fined a ton of money for doing that because all their their quote unquote contractors were really doing employee work. Um, that There's a precedent of that in the world. Um, but for employees, I mean, I think that part of the employee bargain or the idea of a salaried employee is that there's a lot of variability in it. Like they're sometimes they work 45 hours, sometimes they work 35, there's vacation, there's a lot of like flow state that goes into that. So right now, I've, I've not asked them to track their time every week or every two weeks and submit it in order to get paid or their payroll. However, I'm noticing the burden of that just in the last few weeks. And that is that I've asked my full-time employees to do a time audit, not because I need to verify exactly how they spend their time, but it's actually for them. It's like, okay, well, you, you say you're busy or you're not getting something done or you're, you're working on a bunch of different stuff. I don't know if you're spending five hours on this thing, if you're spending two hours on this thing. I want you to do a two to four week time audit where you mark off where you spent your time and then we bucket it into three different areas, strategic, management, and tactical. How much of your time is tactical? How much of it is strategic? How much, is, how much of it is management? And that allows us to then really have a pretty good idea as to where they're over or under allocated. And so that's the thing, that's a strategy we're employing now is really just to understand, are they, is it taking them a long time to do something or is it really not taking them all that long to do something? For example, does that make sense to you? Like where we're actually doing a time audit, it's not the same as like a granular every five minutes, we'll take a screenshot of you, but we want to know right. over the course of two to four weeks, are you doing what we hired you to do? And then where are the, where are the bottlenecks here? Cause you can always 80, 20 something. You always can, but you need to have a hundred in order to 80, 20, you need to have the data somewhere, right? So we have them, we're having them create their own data so we can optimize. And that might be a quarterly exercise that we go through now moving forward. Yeah, I think for us, it's it's very similar um, the, for the same reasons. Like the, it's, it's, I guess two reasons. One is making sure that the, the right roles are performing the right activities and making sure that there's that, that North star for whatever that role is, is still being achieved. Right. Cause every role has got a certain thing that it primarily does. And sometimes people can, it can just be like death by a thousand cuts sometimes where it's like, Oh, I'll just, I'll do this one thing real quick to help somebody out. That's not quite in my role. And then because you did that, now you, somebody else you to help out again. Now you're helping out again and fast forward six months. And now you 80% of your time is spent doing things that are not directly associated to your role. That, that has happened before. Um, the other thing that we use it for is for just managing with clients too. Like looking and saying, okay, are there certain clients that we expected, you know, X amount of time to be spent on, but now we're spending like, and maybe it was that like in the beginning, like when a client first gets set up, you're going to spend a lot of time that first month. But if you're still spending that much time six months later, like something's going wrong, right? Yeah. With, the, with the particular setup. And we can see that. So that either dictates that, hey, that's something in the process that we've got to make sure, especially if it's happening for a lot of clients. Um, or if there's one particular client, maybe that's the one that you look at. And it's like, is this really something that we is a good fit for us? Is it profitable? Yeah. Is it is this something we should have? Or do we actually get better by maybe cutting that client, moving them on to some other 
place that might be a better fit for them. Yeah, we take the hit on revenue, but we free up all that time that can be associated now to go build revenue someplace else, right? Because there's an opportunity cost to everything yeah. that we spend time on. You know, so I, I love I love the idea of of time audits. You know, I don't really have a, a consistent way of of doing that. So I don't do it like every other week or anything like that. I sort of just sort of spot check it. Um, but um, but I kind of like that randomness too because it is a good like when you're testing a fine wine and they sort of like put it in a barrel. You know, it's like okay, now it's ready. Like okay, now here's where we are, and you, nobody can prep for it. Nobody can know like oh well, in two weeks I'm doing my time audit, so let me get all my stuff done this week. You know, yeah. so it looks good next week. Like I want it to be random so we can really see a true, like really get a true taste of where they're spending their time and specifically what activities they're spending them on. The other thing too is, is um, I guess relating to time and team management is making sure that your team members are spending their time on activities that actually energize them, right? Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a big believer in like, you have to be passionate about everything you do in life. Like I get it. There's gonna be some times that, you know, you sort of just do stuff you should enjoy, right? I don't think you need to have like overwhelming passion, but you should absolutely enjoy what you do most of the time. And, and sometimes I guess for the same reason, it's that death by a thousand cuts thing. You start doing something you didn't really like, uh, but it was just this one exception. And then yeah. all of a sudden somebody sort of hands that to you because you did it. And now it's your job and you're just doing it because you're a really good team player, especially a players will do this. They take on more than they really should. And they, they don't necessarily push yes. it back because they want to be a team player and you need to be able to kind of go there and be like, you should not have this. I'm taking it off your desk, you know, um, yeah. getting it to the place it should be. And, and that's as a manager, you can't do that if you're not auditing for time. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like they call it the curse of the competent or that's how I've heard it phrased is like a players, okay. if they're really good, they'll take on and take on and take on and everything will get loaded to them because the the C players aren't doing their work and they end up you end up doing things that are either outside of your job description or being the hero and that can set you back. So, you know, keep keeping a players on track is a really good point. Um, I'm I'm I, I try to only hire a players. We've talked about this a lot, but like I I definitely think a time audit for a player it shouldn't be every every day that you do that um that you tra that you track what they're doing at least when you're in a product business um it might be different with a service business which i'll touch on in a second here but you you when they take on things they think it, they just want to get problems solved and a lot of times they're taking on tactical things because they're so competent and this is where i divide it into these three buckets like the entire profit pillars program is now based on dividing things into three buckets strategic management tactical and if you look at it in that world you realize that you're spending way more time shifting modes between things and that's how you're not getting towards your bigger goals because you're shifting between tactical and strategic strategic has to be in a certain frame of mind as we talked about in one of our previous episodes right you have to be in that mode in order to get things done. So then the other thing I want you touched on, you know, for clients, yeah, when I had my agency, we had to do time tracking because that's the only way you know if you're profitable on an individual client, right? right. That's the only way you know if your cost of goods sold is in is in line and if your company is doing well and if it's profitable. So there is a totally different, you know, when you're doing a service, a professional service for somebody, you need to do time tracking. It's almost non-negotiable because it, there's this extra factor of the client. There's variability in the work and you're trying to get profitability on that client level. So you need the level of, you need time tracking in order to figure that number. If you don't do time tracking on that, then you don't know if that client is profitable or not. And a lot of times, you know, again, I, I keep on saying 80, 20, but I think client profitability is usually more like a 10, 90, 10% 10 of your clients create 90% of the pain in the butt and they're the ones who you wouldn't be able to fire them if you didn't realize that they're taking up 90% more resources than they need to be, 
right? So there's a 1090 with bad clients. One out of every 10 clients is difficult and they hog all your resources, right? Um, another, another thing that I thought about with time tracking, you know, even in distinction between product and service and, and, and a players, but it's just like time tracking threw me for a trip when I was working with independent contractors, because they would charge me for every single, they they put on their hours for the number of calls and it would turn out they'd have like five hours of calls with me. And I'd be like, yes. man, I'm paying $500 just to talk to this person. Just to, yes. And I'm like, and I'm on those calls. It's an hour long. I'm trying to train them on how to do what they're doing. I I, I shouldn't be charged for you being incompetent and me spending the time to try to train you. So I, I got into this trap where I was like, what am I paying you to do? And then I'd be like, then I'd be like tempted to cut off meetings entirely. Like I'm not going to train this dumb, dumb, like if they can't do it. Right. And not, not that anybody that I work with is a dumb, dumb, but you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to train going somebody. back to hiring top performers. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, well, this is early in my, this is really early in my stage. Right. Like when I'd yeah. have people that I wasn't even really paying, but that it was the opportunity cost that you were talking about. I realized that if I'm putting time on the meetings and I'm doing a lot of these things, do I want to make that investment in that person? Because investments, I think it's a two-way street from between a business and an individual, right? You invest, the business invests in people and the individual is, in, is, is, is getting the benefit out of it. I actually think that when you're training somebody up, the, the benefit is almost always on the side of the individual. It's very rarely, you know, the business barely gets what they put into developing people in training programs and building things out because ultimately you pay money to train them. They become 20% more valuable in the marketplace. They ask you for that. And if they don't get it, then they can leave, right? So that's a, tri that's a trip that I often have with being an educator. It's like, okay, I love to educate. I, I'm dedicating the time to educating people, but that education can sometimes bite you. So I, I, I have fallen into that trap before where I'm like, okay, no calls, no extra training. And then it's like, that's not who I am though. I want to be the guy who trains. I want to be the nurturer. So have you ever dealt with that? Being a, a trainer, being somebody who can always see the potential in people, has it ever been to the point where you're like, man, I'm actually like costing myself money in investing in this person as opposed to investing in a part of my business? Yeah, all, all the time. And I think that's the curse of of that type of belief system, right? Like I I cannot help but look at somebody, anybody, doesn't matter. I always look at them as 110% of who they currently are, right? So I'm always sort of seeing this weird little aura of who they are about to become. And that's who I'm managing toward. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's who I'm talking to whenever I'm working with that team members, I'm, I'm talking to the person they're about to become at all, all points, which can cause issues. Right. Because I, I, I probably push people, um, sometimes a little harder than they might otherwise do on their own because I'm, I am speaking to that person who's better than they are at that moment. Um, but going back to, to time tracking and it, it reminds me on the meetings thing, and this is a whole other topic on, you know, managing meetings and all the other stuff that we can definitely go into later. But one of the things as it relates to time was was uh, recent because I was I was seeing this like how many meetings are are certain people on a lot of meetings and certain people are not and I'm like yeah. why are those people on so many meetings there's something going on and then what I started doing and this is really a scary number um, I encourage everybody to calculate this go to the team members that are on that meeting and divide their salaries into hourly rates mm -hmm. and then add that together including yours. And if, if you're on that meeting, like all members that are on this meeting and that that meeting is is an expense you're paying, you know, and all of a sudden you go like, wow, why am I paying, you know, 300 bucks or whatever the thing is right for the for the in meetings this week? Why did I pay two thousand dollars in meetings this week? Would I have bought a product called team meetings with yeah. for two thousand dollars this week? Mm -hmm. And 
what I would expect some result from that product, right? So you should expect a result from those meetings and that that time tracking stuff. Now we do that in Google Calendar. So I know how many people, how, how long people are spending time in meetings yeah. um, because we can get that from there, right? So we don't necessarily hit a button and, and start tracking that, but we can tell um, pretty easily, with, you know, it goes on. So we use it for that to be like, hey, let's, why do we have these meetings? Because they're a symptom of a bigger problem if that's happening. Um, yeah. But time helps us to, to see that you know, uh, and to make the meetings more efficient, you know, the, the other thing that we have done with time is, and this goes back to sort of the philosophy of having, allowing a system where, where they can tell you how they're going to get the job done and not you constantly dictating to them how to do the job. Like you just need the results, right? You don't really care how, um, you know, within certain constraints or whatever, if you got brand policies, whatever, but the, but the idea is that you're getting this result delivered. Well, how much time do they think it's going to take? Yeah. Right. Because the worst thing in the world is like I go to you and say, oh, let's say I got to do this Google ads thing. Right. Well, you're better at Google ads than I am. So if I go to you and I go, well, I don't know, it's take me like three and a half hours. So I'm going to give you three and a half hours to do this. But then you look at that and you're like, this is a five minute thing. Like it would take me three and a half hours because I have to go Google a bunch of stuff and figure out how to do the thing I'm asking you to do. But that doesn't mean it's going to take you three and a half hours. You might just be like, hey, this is a five minute thing. You know, yeah. and, and so that's why we always kind of put it back on them. Like, how long should this take you? And they are doing that. You know, we currently use ClickUp um, and that's one of the feature, you know, the, the little custom field you can create, but like how much time? So they'll put in there, oh, this is a 15 minute thing. This is a three hour thing. This is a whatever thing. Um, and, the, and the other thing that's beneficial about that is the team has started using that to, to make sure that they're not overloading their day because they can sort of tell like, hey, I'm scheduling myself for eight solid hours of what I think it's going to take and they're booking themselves eight solid hours, no room for any mess up. Yeah. And you sort of just know at that point, Hey, you're planning for failure. Just so you know, like your day is going to get overwhelmed. You're not going to get anything done. Something's going to hit the fan today. Cause it always does. And you need a couple hours of just wiggle room for stuff, you know? Um, and so, you know, we've been helping them to sort of self-manage using time, you know, but just in that way. So instead of like a time tracker, it's them inputting, here's how much time I think it's going to take. And then they're constantly sort of measuring against that. Like is, is did it actually take 15 minutes? Right. Yeah. Um, and if it did great, and if it didn't, then they adjust it for the next time, you know? So that's another way we've been using time to help. Yeah. Manage. It's funny. Uh, you know, as you're talking, I was just thinking time tracking is a common sense guard. <laughs> it's like, you know, a lot of time, like we think that we, we have common sense when you own a business because common sense to us is, money in, money out. We see the bank account, we see the balance, but a lot of people that you employ do not have that same level of common sense as to what's there because they don't have the same visibility. So our common sense is not the same as somebody else's common sense because they don't have that level of visibility. Um, and we don't always have visibility into what they're, what they think is important until we see their time. So it does help make and create a common sense area without having to necessarily micromanage somebody or get on a call with them constantly to say, Hey, you know, you should actually be spending 80% of your time on things that make us money, not on pet projects, right? Pet projects should really be boxed in to 20% of your time or less or things that you do outside of it. Like, you know, you shouldn't be spending a lot of time on that. Um, so it does help with common sense to be able to look at their, how they classify their time and how they spend it. The other thing that's really important though, and, and, and this is a, a nuanced thing, and I experienced it a lot at my agency is we would have time tracking and you need to track time to know what your cost of goods sold are, how much work is being done on a client versus how much done is work being work is being done administratively. Like for example, my wife worked for a big four accounting firm and she's like, you know, my they have to be 75% client 
and at most mm. 25% admin, right? And and yep. they are they're expected based on 50 hours. So she's like, I need 35 hours or something like that on clients, or I don't get a performance review. I don't get a good performance review, right? I'm not doing it right. So they had guidelines as to, hey, of your 35 hours or of your 50 hours, 35 need to be there. If you're not above 35 consistently, you won't get promoted. If you're between 30 and 50, 35, you need to find some more hours to do something. Otherwise, you're going to stay in your position. And if you're under 30 billable hours, then you're then you're fired, right? That's essentially how they would do something like that based on their weeks. And then the people who excelled would be the ones who would have more billable hours because they were directly billing the client by the hour. That's how a lot of companies work. However, like that's like we tried to implement a system like that at my agency but we didn't really bill the client by the hour. It was a fixed project. I'm guessing you have a fixed project price as well for what you do for your clients, right? You know, and that's that's convenient for clients. And that's a pretty standard thing in the marketing agency world is like the client wants to pay like, hey, it's $3,000 to set up your analytics and to check your ads, right? But $3,000, like they might think that they're going to get a full-time person for three grand. And you might be like, okay, well, we're basing that three grand off of, you know, a blended hourly rate of $200 an hour, divide that by three, that means we get 15 hours on this project, right? So my agency, we would, okay, well, we say we're going to get put 15 hours onto this exact client retainer per month. And after time tracking, we can find out, are we at 20 hours? Are we at 10 hours? But the mistake we ended up making, or we hired people who managed like literally to that number and said like, Hey, you know, we're losing money on this client because you're at 20 hours. It should only be 15 hours. The reality is it was a fixed bid project and we, you have markup in there, you have margins in there. So we weren't really like losing money on a client, but also um, we needed to get those hours down. So that's what time tracking can allow you to do is to allocate. Are you right? Are you acceptable in how much time you're spending on something versus how much money you make? And not only that, are you within standards of a company that's in your area that is profitable, that is, that is making money, that has a good valuation as well. So time tracking is, is absolutely necessary if you are charging by the hour, because that's how you bill, it's absolutely necessary if you're providing a service and you want to break it down by service line, as opposed to just take, you know, otherwise, if you don't do time tracking, you wouldn't know if you're profitable on a client, you would know I pay a hundred grand in salaries and I'm making 200 grand, you'd be like, okay, I guess we're at 50% cost of goods sold, right? So if you want to get into any kind of level of financial accounting and accountability, and you want to have your company be on an acceptable standard, compared to others, compared to other companies that that acquirers have in place, that public companies have in place, that really good private companies have in place, you do need that level of accountability. Now, do you need that at five employees, like five to 10 people, like both of us have in our organization? It might be a little bit overkill, but at some point you do need to make that switch. Otherwise, you're not really running it like a real business, right? Time tracking yeah. is a function of a real business. Almost every business out there has some kind of level of accountability through how you allocate your time. And so it's necessary. So you and I might do time audits because time audits are less overkill than draconian measures of taking print and screenshots and everything like that. And, or, you know, down to the five minute billing increments in their time system. But it also, um, it's so necessary if you want to have a consistently profitable business. Right. So there's there's yeah. two sides to the story. Yeah, I agree. And just as a, as a final note, I guess, from my side on this is like the, the other benefits. It's a little bit look what you're saying. Number one, about just to reiterate the the boulders versus pebbles, you know, is kind of how I think about it. So it's like, you know, get get the boulders in place first. You should be paying attention to where they're spending their time. 
how you do that, right, is the time tracking part of this. But you don't have to do it to that, you know, degree, right, of, of getting these time tracking tools in the beginning if that's not something that you want to do. You could just ask them. You could just ask them to record a journal, like something to start measuring time, more of the boulders thing. Maybe eventually you put in more detailed things that you need to get, and that's where you put in maybe more um, specific time tracking methods using this, these sort of tools. But the other benefit of knowing this, especially when you're working on projects or with clients or something like that, is the all of the aspects that your team is reporting back on, right? One person could get something done in an hour. It takes someone else later two and a half hours to get it done. And it's like, okay, why was that, right? So you have these opportunities to use time and where people are spending their time and activities to, to cross train, to figure out maybe there's yeah. some cross training issues. And the other benefit of that is let's say it takes somebody an hour and it takes somebody else that does it later an hour. Well, now, you know, this thing takes an hour. So when the new team member comes on, there's an expected time frame that can be put in there for this thing. Like, hey, you know, it's going to take about an hour if you follow these certain activities, uh, for whatever the process is. So it can help to, you can use it as a feedback to guide and improve your own processes um, as you go through as well. So that was the kind of the final thoughts on my end as, as we wrap it up, like what are your, what are your sort of final thoughts? Yeah. My final thoughts is that after going through this, you should track your time, even if you don't want to do it. And it's, it's a really valuable thing. You just need to choose a level of granularity that's right for you. I think we've talked about and laid out a few different options. There's automatic capturing, there's time tracking in a traditional time card that somebody fills out every week or two weeks to get paid. And then there's a time audit, which is a more lightweight way of doing it, depending on where you're at. And so I think everybody would benefit from doing this level of time allocation. Um, I, like the, I like that you and I both have lightweight ways of doing it. And that's good because it allows us to 80-20 time tracking at this point. But I can see myself getting to the point where I need to do more of it, especially as I um, increase operations and, and build the business out, then, then, then it becomes not just a nice to have, but a necessary thing to do. So yeah, that's my final thoughts is that I'm, I'm right on the verge of having to implement a system that I can use that's more consistent than just time audits and calendar management. Cool. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks, Mercer, for sharing. I think that that was a really interesting and revealing look into time tracking. Hopefully you have a balanced perspective and you can sort yourself into where you belong now and where you might be. And if you if you thought this is interesting or you're talking about it with a friend, make sure they know that you got this from Business Unfiltered from the podcast. Uh, share it with the friends, give us a review, put it on social, whatever it takes to get the word out there. We love doing this and we love hearing your feedback. So thank you for listening to another episode of Business Unfiltered. We'll see you in the next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered. Always unapologetically honest.